right, open your Bible to the book of Psalm 37, the great book of Psalm 37, verse 23 to verse 24. Our title for this morning is, is entitled, Take Your Next Step. You are going to have to take some notes this morning for sure, or share this video, watch it again, and for those who are watching, um, help put some comment on, comments on there, and uh, also, tell us where you are. I know my mom, she got her big tablet. Amen. She finally wore the family down. Amen. And she got her tablet. She goes, son, I can't see you on my small cell phone. And so my favorite brother, well, all my brothers, they're amazing. Um, but the baby of the family went and got her a tablet. Amen. So thanks, G-Money, for doing that. And mom, if you're watching, I love you. And uh, my biggest fan. Amen. So she's awesome. She's really, really cool. So Psalms 37, verse 23. Are you there? All right. Let's look at the New Living Translation first, and then we will jump into the amplified version of this particular psalm. Psalms 37, verse 23. The New Living Translation, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. What a God. Amen. Verse 24, he continues on. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Oh, that's so awesome. If you think that's good, the Amplified really breaks it down. The Amplified says, The steps of a good and righteous man are directed and established by the Lord. In the Hebrew, one of the words they use is order. They use the word establish. The Amplified realized I'm going to use it all. And so the Amplified says that he directed and he established by the Lord. And he delights in his way and blesses his path. My goodness, that ought to get somebody to just shout, thank you, Jesus. My goodness. You see, verse 24 says, when he falls, he will not be hurled down because the Lord is the one who holds his hands and sustains him. You see, I've shared a lot of times and I've told us as a church that we must be safe, but we must never stay stuck. That we must be safe doesn't mean that we play it safe. It means we are safe in our relationship with Jesus Christ and that he is the one who governs and he is the one that is Lord of our lives. And so in order for us to really embrace the fullness of God, someone say the fullness of God. If you are not aware, if no one's ever told you there's more to God than your last revelation. There is more to God than your last prayer. He actually invites you to go deeper in him to see more of him. I love what one theologian, one preacher said that in Isaiah, when the angels cried, holy, holy, holy. The reason for that was every time they bowed, they got a revelation. They came back up. They got another revelation. They went back down again, another revelation. They came back up again, another revelation. When you fully understand that you don't want to be stuck, you will continue to bow in the presence of the Lord. And you will say, God, give me a fresh revelation of who you are. So when we tell you to be safe, we are not saying for you to play it safe. 
that's contrary to the design of God and the will of God for your life. But what's important is this, is that you understand that to stay stuck, you become an easy target for the enemy. You become predictable. And that's why when we have a church gathering, it is not about they're going to sing three songs. They're going to sit down. They're going to do that. you got to be comfortable. Someone say comfortable. you got to be comfortable and not being predictable. you got to be comfortable by knowing if God says do this, you're going to do it. If God says do this, you're going to do it. Regardless of what the enemy is telling you, that you're going to trust the Lord. And so in order to take your next step, you have to get to this place where you first and foremost understand that I am free. Someone say, I'm free. I'm free. I'm not stuck in tradition. But I'm free in Jesus. I love being around people who are free because they're authentic. Free people who are authentic, you can trust. Why? Because they understand that they trust God to lead and guide every step that they take. And so it's a daily process. It's a daily work. It's something you have to do every single day. When you wake up, you have to remind yourself that I prosper in Jesus. That I prosper in Jesus. And so, and so the psalmist is writing, and this is, this is David. It's been identified that David is writing this. And, and what we understand with these two verses is that David is reminding us that we must continue to meditate on God's delight in the way of the righteous. In other words, that we must understand that if we're godly, God delights in us. There is a benefit, a blessing to be godly. Oh, come on. There is a blessing to be godly. So every time the enemy brings a temptation and you resist it, you are confirming that, guess what? God delights in the godly. And so he wants us to understand that there is a contrast between the godly and the wicked. And so this particular point, this particular uh, identification runs all through the Psalms. And so in Psalms chapter 1, the first Psalm of the Bible, verse number 6, it says this. For the Lord watches over the path of who? The godly. So in other words, God is watching over you. Let that sink in for a second. The omnipotent, the all-powerful God is watching over you. Does that scare you or does that secure you? Come on, write that down because we can't go any further. Because if that scares you, you're going to retreat back and you're going to stay stuck. Why? Because you're afraid of God. But when, as Blaine preached and said, when you fear God, you step into a place of freedom, right? Because you understand you're secure. Why? Because the Lord directs the steps of the godly. And so are you scared or are you secure? That's the question. And so the scripture says, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. It's clear in the scripture that people who walk in the path of the wicked, that the end is destruction. It is clear throughout scripture. And so what we want to be are people who recognizes that when we take our next step, we are taking our step first and foremost because we're secure in who God is in my life. It's not who I am. It's who God is in my life. Did you get the difference? Because it's not about having some arrogance. It's about having a confidence to have access to God, this holy, righteous God, that when the rabbis would write his name, they would literally put the pen down, wash their hands because it was so holy. That's how they reverence God. 
And there was an aspect of that because they have to bring the animal every single time. that to bring the animal. But because of Jesus, he brings the security that we need to live as godly people. The world needs godly people. Listen to me. The world needs godly people. Because our paths are blessed and then people can know the way to walk. And the Bible says, narrow is the way that leads to life. But wide is the way that leads to destruction. And so the Psalms take your next step is God wanted to let his people know that when you are secure, you recognize that you can take your step. And so these two verses are just reminding us to meditate that God delights in that. But I love the old King James. You can't do away with the King James. I know we got a variety of translations, but the good old King James, thou and this Bible. And so the King James adds something. The King James says the steps of a good man. Not established, but they're ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. The old King James. And so, and so the good is not in the original translation, but what they're saying is, if you read from the beginning of Psalms 37, what they're saying is that they're describing somebody good. So the translator said, let's just add that to it. Why? Because they're describing somebody who meets all the criteria of being godly because of what Jesus has done. So God, good simply means that the steps are ordered, that they are good. And it's from this place I'm writing my book called A Life of Good Success. A Life of Good Success. There can be no doubt that someone who's good is righteous and someone who's righteous is good. And that's what he's saying here is that the steps of a good man, the step of a righteous man, am I helping anybody to identify who you are? Because we can't move if you don't know who you are. And part of your lack of security is you don't know who you are. We've got a confused world. God knows we're in the confused church. I said it again over here. We have a confused world that don't know where to go. We cannot have a confused church that doesn't have security and hope and joy and able to deal with my issues, every single one of them. So here are the five points I want to share with you because I doubt I'll get to them. So for those who like to take notes and think he doesn't finish, let me give you my five notes, my five points, excuse me, then I'll be done. So to take your next step, the first one is this, step by step. That's how you make progress. That's how you walk in the security of a relationship with the Lord. You're raising your child step by step. You're trying to build a business step by step. You're trying to accomplish great things. It's step by step. Jesus told them, excuse me, the Bible says in the Old Testament, little by little you will possess the land. Little by little you'll go on and you'll possess the land. And so there's step. By step, we have to take. The second thing is that we have to then, after step by step, we must move into the law of all progress. The law of all progress. Uh, There are seven laws I've identified. I'm not going to share all of them with you. But the seventh law is called the law of providence. And we see this in the life of Isaac. We see this in the life of Isaac where they are, Isaac was told not to go down to Egypt. And just like he, his father was told, Abraham was told not to go down there. And there are seven things that we see. And, and the seventh law is what they call the law of providence. It's the law of where God is God and he doesn't need you to help him. The law of providence is something you just step into because God already ordained it. Oh God. 
Can I teach this like I feel it? See, see, the law of providence is where in Second Chronicles chapter 20, where it says that the enemy came against Jehoshaphat, right? And God said, listen, send the, send the worshipers, send the worshipers ahead of you. It made no military sense whatsoever. Is that the Department of Defense saying, you know what? Um, let's not send our Marines, the, the great. Let's not send our Navy. Let's just send um, our teachers, let's let's send someone who you don't think is equipped for the task and so here is god saying send the worshipers let them go ahead and the worshipers went ahead and that's why i'm here to tell you worship is not something that you just pass time worship is not just something that you do till we get to the word no baby when you are worshiping you are releasing angels you are releasing stuff come on to get to block and to remove those things that are trying to get you and so jehoshaphat does that sends the angel and the bible says that the enemies start to kill each other and so as they kept walking what i love about this was it said they got to the place called the valley of but rock the valley of blessing in other words because they were obeying the lord step by step god had already established prosperity at the end of their step i wish i had someone who knows that story because you have been walking come on and you have been faithful and the enemy said stop walking but you told the devil to shut up come on and you're continuing to walk why because the law of providence said there is a provision for me that I didn't ask for. God just did it. I love the blessings where we ask of God, but I love the ones where he just does it. Oh, come on. If you've ever experienced a just do it, God blessing, he just, he just did it to show off. You didn't ask for it. He just gave it to you. It's called, it's called the law of all progress. And some of us, we haven't been tapping into all the laws of progress. And that's what we have to do. And the next thing after that, then, to take your next step is attention to detail. Attention to detail. He says he delights. He delights in blessing you. He delights in directing you. That's the attention to detail. Number four, it's, it's the course of life. We're going to see what it really means biblically to take a step. It really means one's course of life is what it means. And number five. Is what we call the guarantee success. This psalm, these two verses, are a guarantee. You heard me right. A guarantee of success. One of the worst things about Walmart is there's never a cashier to open it. You know, never. You get, you're like, you got to be kidding me. You got 45 different checkouts and two people working. No matter what time of day you go. You hear me, Sam Walton, or the people there? My goodness. I, I hate it. You know, and I'm picky. I, I want someone to, you know, scan my stuff. I want to keep people employed. You know what I mean? The self-checkout stuff. I'm like, no, I want to talk to somebody. It's Pastor O. Give me a prophetic word for them. I don't scan some machine. Hey, machine. You know what I mean? I ain't, I ain't with that. Let me get off of that. So, but the next thing about Walmart that I really, really like is just their money, their guarantee. You know, how you bring it back to them. <laughs> Taped up and bound up and like... Here, I know folks brought some from a different store back to Walmart. Come on, because of their guarantee. I don't know where I bought it, but Walmart will take it. Come on. So this guarantee is something that is vital. So when I said to you, guarantee of success, some of you look like, what? Please understand that as the godly, God has committed himself to guarantee your success. 
One of the struggles, though, is we don't know how to define success. Mm -hmm. We think success is accomplishment. We think success is the fulfillment of an activity. And while that is for personal development, it is not prophetic. Because the prophetic definition of success goes back to the DNA of your creator. Come on. And so how do you write a Psalms like this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and not guarantee success? And that's what this word is saying. So if you're taking an, if you are starting a adventure, if you are seeking something to accomplish, this particular Psalms is telling you that it's guaranteed to be successful. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you that you're stronger than Walmart. Amen, somebody. But to understand these five points I just shared with you, write this down. You must understand these two powerful words. You must. You must understand these powerful words. From the time when I turned 18 and I got saved, these two words have resonated throughout my entire life, and I want to share them with you, and they're found in this particular psalm. The two word is the first word from verse 23, or excuse me, yeah, verse 23 is the word purpose. Is the word purpose. Verse 23 of this particular Psalms is giving us the cause of purpose. It's revealing to us that God doesn't do anything without purpose in mind. You got to write that down. Because people quote Romans 8, 20, and all things work together for good to those who love God. That's the key right there. Not all things work together for everybody. All things work together for good to those who love God and those who are what? Called according to his what? So if you don't know purpose, you won't know the reason for the pain. And so what happens is this, is that you must understand that God directs our step because there's purpose to everything he does. God doesn't do anything without purpose being attached to it. If you do something and there's no purpose to it, that's not God. That's not God. Everything he does has purpose to that. The second thing is verse 24 is this. Because verse 24 gives us, ready for this, the condition of the next word, which is promise. So you have purpose, and we seek purpose because it brings us to a place of promise. And we know a promise is absolutely binding. Come on. Oh, God have mercy. The example is a wedding. Do you promise to take this woman, to take this man? That's how powerful a promise is. And a promise is binding. Why? Because it's revealing, you know, the purpose of marriage. And so because of the purpose of marriage, you're then able to embrace the promise. And that's how you have a guarantee success. But the moment you move away from the purpose and you lose track of the promise, what happens when you lose track of the purpose, you now come to compromise. And so a compromise is a revelation of not knowing purpose. And so the church, we compromise because we don't know the purpose of the Lord directing our steps. And the enemy said, as long as they don't know their purpose, come on. They'll keep abusing themselves by staying stuck and not taking the next step. And so we take a look at this step by step. We understand that these two words are powerful. And so in the dictionary, the word step is an act or it's a movement. It is also a flat surface. It is, it is moving from one level to another. Oh, that is so good. So it is moving from one level to another. Come on. 
That's what a step is. It's moving from, from one level to another. It is an act of movement. So I can be on a step, but I'm stuck. And so what happens, there's elevation, there's places. But once purpose is known, ooh, I step on the promise that sustains me. Come on. And I go to another level now of understanding and revelation of who God is. A step then is to move to a new position. That's what steps mean. And so in Psalms 18, verse 36, here's what it says. He says in Psalms 18, verse 36, you gave a wide place for my steps under me. And my feet did not slip. Oh, God. So listen to me, church. And those who are watching, take your next step. Because God has something for you. And you need to know the security of God because some things you have to step away from. Oh, come on. There are certain things you have to, you have to, you have to step away from it. And so as long as you stay stuck, the enemy then will drain you. And all of a sudden, you are missing what God has for you, the guarantee of success. And so he says, I'm going to make it a wide place for your step. A wide place. Um, a child's first step. It's an amazing thing. I remember when, when Danny was born and Lizzie and they were getting to a place of where you know, they were in Wallingmore, and it was, it, was, it was watching their first step. It was, it was amazing because, you see, the first step of a young child, it's an amazing event. And as parents, we are pleased with the, with the tottering footsteps of their babies. And, and we call, if the person was there, they took their first step. We get super excited about it, don't we? Can you imagine how God, come on, gets excited? Come on, church. When you step, oh, come on. And you know the security of purpose and promise. God says, that's it. He tells the angels, look, they're obeying my word. They are making me legal in the earth. Take your first step. Take your first step. There's also the step of development. And this is a Chinese philosopher said this. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. A single step. And so I know that in our, in our assimilation, we talk about the next step. But what we want to do is take a next step in the anointing. Come on. That it's not just about a program, it's about purpose. And so there's a step that is, needs to be taken for development. So, so if deliverance is what you want, you got to take a step into it. Come on. You've got to recognize that gates are open hallelujah that God opened up the gate you are no longer trapped you got to step out mm. now there are people that want to keep you back but you got to let them know I'm going someplace take your step the third one is is a small step a million of people millions of people on earth was listening to Neil Armstrong uh, on the TV and the radio and they heard this uh, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. But after Neil Armstrong, <clears throat> excuse me, came back to the earth, he said this. There was a lost word in this famous one-liner. He said, when I came, what I meant to say and what I thought I said was this. There's one small step for a man. It's just that people didn't hear it. Oh, and so what God is saying to discover all that he has, he says, you've got to be people who hear what the spirit is saying to the church. 
So not only do we have to recognize, right, that we can't compromise, we have to make sure that we are listening to what God is saying to us. So here it is. Here's what God is saying, and here is the cry. God, make my steps secure. Write that down. Write that down. That's it, because now you're getting the revelation. Now you're understanding. And so the next thing for you to do is to say, God, make my step secure. I'm no longer afraid. I'm no longer scared. God, my faith is developing, right? And I want to demonstrate my faith. And so the next thing I have to do then is to say, God, make my step secure. That's how step-by-step works, that when you get to a place, when you hear somebody saying, God, make my step secure, that is somebody who realizes this. God, you drew me from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock. Ooh, that's Jesus. Making my steps secure. So if you've not been baptized, take the step. Come on. If you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking tongue, take the step. Come on. If you want a greater dimension, take the step. You've got to realize that I need some room here. Why? Because I'm taking my step. Make my step secure. But see, if one step in the dark carries you off firm footing into an open trap or down a bank. See, the first step down a wrong road is the beginning of troublesome and possibly dangerous wandering. And that's why we have to recognize the law of all progress. We have to look at it. Because the law of all progress says this. Let's define what it means to take your step. This is what it means. The word step in the Hebrew from Psalms 37, 23 means his or her course of life. The way in which he or she goes. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. All the course of life is graciously ordained and in love and kindness, all is fixed, settled, and maintained. No reckless faith, no fickle chance rules us. Our every step is the subject of divine decree. Oh, God. Take off my glasses for you get this one. When you woke up this morning, he divine decree your step. Every single step you make, God is saying, I've fixed, I've settled, I've maintained. So what happens if I'm going on the wrong road? The reason why you go on the wrong road is because you don't know purpose. And there's compromise. And so you're deviating away from God's plan. But Psalms 24, excuse me, Psalms 37 verse 24 says, even though he falls, come on, if you're the godly, he says, get back up and know the law of all progress. (laughs) The law of all progress says this. Even though they afflicted them, the more they multiplied. Come on. The more they try to stop you, the more you get to a place of recognizing the law of all progress. Why? Because God is God in your life. And so, therefore, you submit to authority. Why? Because the law of all progress. You're accountable. Why? It's the law of all progress. Listen, if you're not accountable, you're vulnerable. Write that one down right there. You've got to be accountable. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I was talking about this individual. And right in my spirit, it came up and says, they need fathering. Automatically came up in my spirit, they need fathering. They need to have that covering. They need to have that, that, that covering that they can have that accountability in their life. You see, step by step, 
leads to the law of all progress. But I love Proverbs 20, verse 24. I love this. It says, it kind of, it asks a great question. In Proverbs 20, verse 24, if you have time, turn there. But in Proverbs 20, 24, it says this. The Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? Come on now. Come on now. If the Lord directs your step, why try to understand along the way? What a um, phenomenal question. Jeremiah 10 verse 23 in the New Living Translation puts it this way. I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. I'm going to pause there. I got four minutes before they overrun me with music. Listen. Listen to what's in Jeremiah 10 verse 23. New Living Translation. If we can get that up, that will be awesome. Jeremiah 10 verse 23. I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. What a place of maturity. We are stuck because we're fighting God of who has control over our lives. We think we can do it better than God. And we are stuck. And what he's saying is this. Um, we are not able to plan our own course right there. He said, when you get to a place where you recognize that I'm not able to figure out all that's going on, God, I surrender to you. What happens when we get to this place, he says, God, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That you live in me, that you rule, that you reign, that you are sovereign, that you are God. The only reason why, come on, for over 30 years I've been able to walk with the Lord is that revelation right there. My life has purpose and God gave me a promise. That's it. I tell my testimony, and even that spontaneous worship with Corey singing, we'll let the whole world know. We'll sing until the whole world hears, and the whole world knows he is faithful. Come on. He's our blessed hope. That was spontaneous. That was a revelation of God singing right there. Oh, come on, somebody. And so for me, August 16, 1988, that's when I got saved, and it was great. I was walking in darkness, couldn't see the light. But thanks to God, I'm shining bright. I have won the fight. I obtained the victory. Thanks be to Jesus for Calvary. And because of his blood, I am now set free. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Back then, it's been that same thing. The purpose of God for my life and the promise that God has had. So when things get rough, come on, I stand secure and says, God, I'm taking another step. Make it secure. Because of your purpose and your promise. And so if you don't have a scripture you're holding on to, a promise from God, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So my last point is this. The attention to detail. Here is why you try to understand what God is doing. You don't try to understand what God is doing to control God. You try to understand everything God is doing to get a revelation of God. (laughs) Because he is taking attention to the details of your life. I love this example because this is really, really cool. And it says um, in Psalms 37 verse 4, it says God delights in the details. So God says in Psalms 37, verse 4, listen to what he says, delight yourself where? In the Lord. Psalms 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you what? The desires of your what? Heart. Now, I was telling somebody this. Listen to me. Do not fall for the lie 
of this thing called prosperity and poverty. Don't get confused by it. The enemy is notorious for that. Don't confuse greed and the love of money for prosperity. They're two separate things. And the enemy has done a successful job deceiving the body of Christ where we think poverty because we don't want to mess up prosperity. It's called greed and the love of money. That's what Jesus talked about. But by no means did Jesus walk with a poverty mindset. You can't take five loaves and two fish, look up to heaven, and have God bless it and multiply and feed 5,000 people and be poor. Come on, church. That's for somebody right there. Somebody needs the creativity of God to hit you like a light bulb. And break through those poverty mindsets. And access the creativity of God. Take your step in creativity and wisdom. And write that business plan. Write that book. Do what God told you. Take the next step, good God Almighty. Into what God has for you to do. Because God delights in the details. You delight yourself and he gives you the desires of your heart. My biggest challenge talking to people is getting to see how really God sees them. That's the biggest challenge. That's why I love talking to people. I just sit and listen to them as they're talking. I'm like, okay, let me see if they're talking from a place of prosperity. Am I helping anybody this morning? Come on. Purpose and promise is amazing. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And so one of the things I've realized is this. Is the definition of success. As I'm writing my book and I got to this place called effective living. Effective living. And effective living takes you back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and what? 3. And he says, you cannot understand guaranteed success until you understand effective living. And when God defined for me what success is, because everyone and everyone on the sound of my voice, you would define success the way you see success. Google it, you get a variety of definitions of success. All over the place, from the personal development to everything. But biblically, what is success? And success, which is real interesting, is this. The first time it is mentioned, because also the word success also means prosperity as well. It means prosper. It's where God said to Joshua, I'll make your way prosperous and have good success. So there is functional good. There is practical good. But success really is about this. Success is this. It is understanding that God is the one who prospers in his counsel and in his enterprise. Let me break it down for you, and then we're going to receive a time of ministry. Because I really want us to understand. When I saw this, this was really, really neat. Um, In Genesis chapter 24, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. And it's actually the chapter that deals with Isaac and the search for a wife. For Isaac, the longest chapter in Genesis, Genesis chapter 24. And in this particular chapter, what we find is that Abraham says this to his servant. His name's not mentioned, but theologians, if you study, believe it's Eleazar, his faithful servant. And he says to his servant, don't take a wife from amongst here. Get stepping. He said, don't get a wife from here. He, he said, I want you to, to follow these instructions. And so he goes, okay, and, and before he leaves, watch this now. This was such an amazing revelation to me. Before he leaves, Abraham has provided for his servant camels. 
loaded with resources. You would think that he's successful. You would think because of all the resources that he has, he's successful. Of course he's successful. He has all the resource that he needs that nothing can stop him from accomplishing this assignment. He has it all. And so he leaves, and you can say he's successful. And so he's on his journey. And he gets to the route. He gets to the place where where the ladies are, and he gets there, and you would think then that he was successful because God directed his steps. You would think he's successful because now he got safely on the route. Nobody robbed him. Come on. Nobody messed with him. There was no hindrance. He got to the route. He got to the very place where the ladies came for water, where they came to get water. So you would think not only is he successful because he has the resources, he's also successful because he made the route and there was no hindrance. But yet God says, that's not success. So if success is not having all the resources that I need, and if success is not the route, what is success? When you read that, here is what the servant did. The servant now went and the servant prayed. The servant went and he says, Lord, for the sake of my master Abraham, grant me success, oh God. And you would think, what do you mean you have all the resources? You can pay for that. Well, you, you, can, you can whine and die. You can do whatever you want. He goes, no, that's not success. Success is knowing, God, what are you doing? Because you delight in the details. Come on, somebody. And God, I want to be your counsel, your will, because if you're in it, then it's successful, regardless of what people think. And I said, wow. And he says, that is effective living. Is where we pray, God, grant us success so we can take our next step. And what happens when you and I are walking and we are taking our next step? Here's what we declare in the atmosphere. We are living proof that my God is on the move. Come on. Ooh, good God Almighty. There is nothing that he can't do. Faith rise up. Faith rise up. For I am living proof. Come on. When God said, I want you to leave one country. Come on. That one wasn't by choice. Come on. Leaving one nation. To go to another nation. To come to this nation. That's the apostolic call on my life. Come on. I'm here to tell you that God is saying, take your next step. That he is not just shifting us. He wants us to step into our purpose and his plan for our lives. If you want to take your next step, let it be because you want to declare in the atmosphere that I'm a living proof that my God is on the...